What's up, everyone? It's the love, the jam, the podcast coming to you as always with Rob. I'm Japan, by the way. I'm with Rob, how you doing, Rob? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. I'm I'm tired. I've been out all day. I've been trying to avoid Twitter as much as possible because uh, the NBA is in a a very weird place right now, and NBA Twitter is in an even weirder place. I hate Twitter so much. I've been on it too much. I don't even own a Twitter account, but I've been on Twitter nonstop just looking at all these dumb comments and fake insiders and sources say and oh my god, it's been it's been really really miserable. I I just why is Twitter even a thing? It it's a thing for a good reasons. Lucas, why is Twitter a thing? Way to put me on the spot, dude. I don't know. What? <laughs> what is the meaning of life, Lucas? <laughs> Lucas, how, how did social media happen? I don't know, dude. It's how, just how, there. How, what do you want how, from me? How, how are you? Um, I think that in the last 36 hours, I have worked about 30 hours and written about 10,000 words. That's how I am. Oh, my God. Well... Yeah, that's pretty much how we're doing. Um, we're here to talk about free agency and uh, the misery free agency has bestowed on us. And it's uh, and Kawhi Leonard, of course, is a Clipper is a not a Clipper <laughs> yet. Maybe he is, he is a player the Clippers are interested in getting. Spoilers! Come on, no spoilers, chat. <laughs> Sources say, um, yeah. Anyway, so Kawhi Leonard is somebody we're going to be talking about. We're also going to be talking about. Mo Harkless and Patrick Beverly, who surprisingly, at least for the last few weeks, uh, surprisingly is a Clipper again at a discounted price. Uh, we should maybe start with Pat Beverly. Just a happy story that he's back uh, three years, $40 million. Apparently could have got a richer deal with the Sacramento Kings. I'll start with you, Rob. How hyped are you for Patrick Beverly? I'm excited. Like, you know, a Kawhi thing was overlooming everything, but... Patrick Beverly was really good last year. He was super fun to watch. He won the hearts of Clippers fandom in just one season in a very abbreviated 2017-2018 appearance. And, you know, it's great that he's back. His deal is certainly not a bargain, but it's not awful either. And, you know, he's a player who was very valuable to the Clippers last year. A lot of their identity and toughness came from him. He was also, as we've discussed repeatedly on here, very undervalued as an actual basketball player who does things on the basketball court, like shoot threes and not turn the ball over and make good decisions with the ball in his hands. So I think it's a really good thing that they brought him back. I'm excited to watch him in a Clippers jersey for the last you know couple years of his prime. And yeah, I mean, everybody on the team seems excited. Sabrina had an article just with some quick roundups of you know, Clippers players and, and fans and whatnot, you know, talking about it. And it's really exciting, and it was unexpected, and I'm really glad it happened. Lucas, positive vibes for Patrick Beverly. How'd you feel about it? I mean, I always have room in my heart for a little bit of Pat Bev. Um, I think, you know, I, I agree with Robert. I think, obviously, Patrick's the heart and soul of the team. There are questions to be asked, I think, about the third year of this deal, especially if the Clippers don't get a Kawhi Leonard and they're running the whole, like, stay at flexible 2021 free agency thing and now all of a sudden you're paying, like, 
a 34-year-old, 33-year-old um, Patrick Beverly, you know, $14.5 million in that year when you're supposed to be maximizing cap space for the next round of big free agents in 2021. Um, but I, I mean, I think, you know, that's, you know, first of all, if the Clippers get Kawhi, all is forgiven, right? But also, I wouldn't be surprised to see them front load this deal so it actually descends and is worth about $12 million in the final year. Um, it wouldn't affect their cap situation this summer at all. And $12 million expiring going that year is, first of all, very movable, but also very stretchable. You know, stretch that cap hit $4 million each across three years is not going to hurt you too badly. So I think the, the payoff with what you get with Pat as the heart and soul of the team, as a leader, as really like, the, you know, the Clippers, as much as they're playing the, you know, long vision front office, um, you know, stay flexible, add stars game. They're also playing like build a culture from the ground up game. And Patrick Beverly is probably the most important guy in the organization to that culture building movement. Um, I think it's important to remember that this contract has a little bit of a trade-off in terms of the long view asset management, roster flexibility side of things. Um, but I think it's a worthwhile trade-off to be certain. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, probably like the most that third year is probably the most debatable thing the Clippers have done in quite some time. If you don't keep in mind uh, the Danilo Gallinari uh, getting Danilo Gallinari in the first place in his original deal, which now looks like a pretty good deal, but uh, it's probably the most questionable thing this front office has done, I guess recently considering they've just been building assets for so long. Patrick Beverly is, is a favorite Clipper of mine. I was certain he was gone for a number of weeks so it was kind of a pleasant surprise that he came back. I thought he would get more than he got. Um, I think there was an idea that maybe he would get up to 16 or so million a year, which I thought was understandable, honestly, considering his contract situation in the past. He's been a nomad of sorts. He deserved his bag and he got it. I'm so glad he's going to be a clipper. Um, and like you said, Lucas, he's just an underrated player. He's a defensive hound, of course, but he's an underrated playmaker. He, he's one of our downhill guards. Um, he's a, great shooter he's been shooting very efficiently for a very long time from three knocks him down respectable uh just the perfect really great player uh to have on the roster even though he's a guard and it feels like we have a billion of those uh i'm completely for patrick beverly remaining a clipper especially for the culture of this team um speaking of shrewd moves uh mo harkless is now a los angeles clipper Jimmy Butler was dealt uh, to the Miami Heat. Um, and I think there was a snag in the deal. I forget the player that was the arguments initially that made everything kind of become a mess. And there was another team that got involved and it was us. And we got Mo Harkless for a future first. That's protected for a handful of years. Um, but that's another asset. You know, it's not really quite the <laughs> secondary star uh, we were looking forward to. But Mo Harkless is a nice player. He seems to be a clipper killer. I feel like he had a he had a big game. Was it the maybe maybe it was game? I think it might have been game six where he had a good game against the Clippers in that Portland series. Um, but I remember him and Aminu had some had some uh, big punches in that series and. Harkless, even in this Nuggets series, I think he had a nice stretch against the Nuggets where he, where he uh, kind of carried them very briefly, too. So not a bad player. He did, didn't really shoot well from three this past year after shooting really well 
the year before, but good defensive player. I've heard nothing but good things from the Portland side of him. Uh, you know, his, his splits are in, incredible. You know, he's about eight game points a game, uh, only shot 27.5% from three. Uh, 48.7 from just field goal percentage. And, you know, it's not really the most desirable stuff. He did average a 1.1 steal and a 0.9 blocks in 23 minutes, which is impressive. And all the Portland fans seem to really love him. I don't really know a crazy amount about, about more Harkless. Aside from that, I've kind of liked what I've seen. And he seems like an interesting piece. And really, he's a flexible piece. And we're getting a first rounder back. Lucas, do you really want to briefly talk about Mo Harkless before we get to Kawhi afterwards? Yeah, I mean, I – so, I, you know, I'm not the hugest Mo Harkless fan. I think Rob might have a little bit nicer stuff to say about him when we get to Rob Stern. But he is definitely a player that has utility. Uh, for me, the shot is a really big flaw – to overlook when you're talking about, about a guy who, you know, you think maybe could be a starting small forward in a scenario where you don't get Kawhi or one of your biggest rotation pieces playing in support of Kawhi and in support of Gallinari if you do get Kawhi. To have a guy who you don't feel comfortable with just like catching the ball wide open and shooting a three in that situation is something that I would try to steer clear of. Um, but I understand why the Clippers went and made this deal. Harkless certainly has utility as a gritty defender. He is, you know, a, a good culture fit. Like we talked about with, you know, Clippers, Pat Beverly, what they're trying to do to, to build this culture in the organization. He's a good fit there. Um, he's also, you know, he played basketball at St. John's, which is where I went to school. Um, and Rob <laughs> gets to talk about, you know, Rob gets to talk about these Michigan guys all the time. And there's, no St. John's guys ever to talk about. So, you know, it's, it's nice to have a, another Johnny around. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he has utility. I think, for me, I would rate him significantly lower than a guy like Jermichael Green or a guy like Marcus Morris, who, you know, I was hoping the Clippers would target with that leftover money that they have. You know, they kind of have this max slot carved out sitting waiting for Kawhi, and then they went and gave Patrick Beverly his new deal – and now they're going to have this, you know, they have this leftover slot that now they've moved Harkless into. I would have preferred Jermichael Green or Marcus Morris in that slot, but Harkless, for the downgrade that he is compared to those guys, also bringing in a first-round pick from Miami, you know, I totally see the appeal to that from the Clippers' perspective. Also, Harkless only has one year left on his deal. You go and get Marcus Morris, and he asks for a three- or four-year commitment. Right. That clogs you up a little bit. Um, and, you know, you, you, you made the joke, Shap, that Harkless is hardly the Clippers landing a second star for Kawhi. But my immediate reaction to this trade when it came out um, and I was tweeting about it, you know, was the Clippers just got a big expiring contract and a future first-round pick. Like, the, did they get a star? No. But they got two things that could be really, you know, important aspects of a package that could get flipped for a star at a later date, or, you know, maybe Harkless is, is a guy who stays on the team, right. At that $11 million expiring, but now you have a starting caliber forward here. If Gallinari's $23 million expiring is something that you're going to package with maybe 
one of the Clippers' young guys and a couple of picks to go get a guy like Bradley Beal. Right. Rob, what do you think about Mo Harkless? I don't have that many thoughts on Mo Harkless. I think, like we just said, I think the big thing with him is can he actually shoot? His numbers really say for his career that he can't. Um, right. <laughs> His two middle seasons in Portland, so 16, 17, and 17, 18, he had 35% of his threes and then 41.5, but they're on very low volume. Uh, you know, on such low volume, really, it doesn't mean all that much, both in terms of the sample size and in terms of its ability to actually punish defenses. What I will say is that, you know, he's a decent rebounder for a small forward. He's a pretty good defender, and he's like a legit small forward. I think that He's the same size, roughly, as Jermichael Green and Marcus Morris, but I think he's somewhat quicker. Uh, he's definitely more of a small forward, power forward, whereas I think Marcus Morris is really just a power forward. And Jermichael Green is honestly a power forward center, and I think it's just because of their defensive strengths. Like, Jermichael Green, when he played small ball center last year, really showed an ability to play help defense, rotate the guys, have some rim protection. Mo Harkless is much quicker laterally, you know, on, on the perimeter, much better at switching onto smaller guys. So even though they're all roughly the same height and weight, I think he kind of fills a different utility for the Clippers, which I think is probably more valuable than Marcus Morris. Of those three players, I think Marcus Morris is the best in a vacuum, but I think because right now he plays the same position as the Clippers' best player, Adino Gallinari, I don't think he makes a ton of sense just because I'm more doubtful of his ability to play small forward or center, which is where the Clippers have bigger holes. Uh, so in that sense, I kind of like him. Uh, Morris, undoubtedly a better player in a pure vacuum. Uh, but I also agree with Lucas that he probably almost certainly would have demanded more than one year. And I really don't want to pay him more than one, maybe two years. Um, Jermichael Green, I probably would have preferred flat out, especially because he can do small ball center. And that's so valuable to have a small ball center who can shoot threes. Uh, but it's possible the Clippers are able to bring him back anyway. In terms of the overall deal, I mean, I think it's a really good deal. Is it a game changer? Not really. But the Clippers got, at the worst, you know, a very solid rotation player at a position that they literally have nobody right now. They right. don't have a single true small forward on their roster. Uh, you know, Rodney Magruder is close, but he's a bit undersized. And he just has a qualifying offer, and he's not even signed yet. And that's it. Um, you know, Sindarius Thornwell right. and Ty Wallace have played there before, but they're both undersized. And Mo Harkless is just better than those two guys. Um, they really ha- they really haven't had a small forward like all year. Tobias Harris, I guess, is a th- can be a three, but he's really a four. Forward even too, yeah. At this, and at even Mike, Mike Scott probably is best at the four, even at this point too. So Four and even five. Yeah, so yeah. Harkless is definitely, you know, as he ages, I think like a lot of these larger wings will age into being more of a power forward. But right now, he's – just 25, maybe 26, and he's still pretty quick. And the Clippers only have him for one more year. If they don't land Kawhi, which I guess we'll segue into after this, uh, I think he's you know a perfectly fine stopgap starting small forward. Will he wow anybody? No, but he won't embarrass himself. He'll play good defense. He'll move the ball. He'll hit a few open threes. Uh, you know he can finish around the rim. Like you know he's a perfectly fine stopgap starting small forward. Certainly better than Sin or Ty or even Magruder, I think. And if they do get Kawhi, he's a very useful, versatile guy you can have off the bench uh, to play either forward position. So I like it. The first-round pick is, you know, far enough in the future that there's no real way to analyze it yet. 
but it is 2023, I think. I think, yeah, I think it's 2023. Yeah, 2023. Which is a lot of people from 2023 to 2025. Right, and I'm still protected in 2026. Even with Jimmy Butler, like, I think he's not that great. He's really, really good, but he'll be done by 2023. Like, he's not, he'll be gone and like. They have, like, very few young guys on the roster. Like, the future there is certainly not set in stone. That could be end up being a really good pick. Um, but, I mean, it is lottery protected. And, like, you know, the Heat have been one of those teams that have kind of been in the six to eight seed range the past two years. And if they land that in 2023, the Clippers could be getting, you know, the 15th or 16th pick in the draft, which is pretty good. Um, so... I think that's a really good deal. Like, would I give it an A++? No, but, you know, for what it is, which is them just absorbing his salary of a perfectly good, you know, rotation player and getting a pretty good first-round pick in the process that will, you know, is protected for years and doesn't convert to two seconds at the end, um, I think it's a really good deal. It's it's smart. It works both with and without Kawhi and just good job by the, the Clippers front office. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree that it's a good deal, but I kind of, you know, we don't have to make this as like a big debate or anything, but I, I want to push back a little bit on this like distinction that we're drawing between like small forward and power forward, because the, I mean, like you guys just said, the, you know, the Clippers were playing Tobias and Gallo together for most of the season um, until they traded Tobias. And that was, I think, a really effective pairing. You know, those guys worked together. Um, and that, you know, even in Portland, like our, you know, we're right now we're saying Harkless is a three, but like in my mind, Aminu was sort of always the three and Harkless was always the four. Um, although I think that that's certainly, you know, a, a blurred line between the two, but I'm just not sure why, um, you know, yeah, I think Harkless can play the three or the four. I think at both spots, his strengths are the same and his weakness, that shot is the same. I also think a guy like like I don't really have almost any reservation about a guy like Marcus Morris playing alongside a guy like Danilo Gallinari because Marcus Morris can defend both forward positions and he can hit open shots. Gallinari can do the stuff that you need him to do offensively regardless of whether you're considering him the three or the four. The only time you really run into trouble there is if, you know, the other team is playing like a three-guard lineup and, you know, maybe – the, the guy's a little too quick for, for Marcus Morris, but I think you could potentially run into that same problem with a guy like Mo Harkless as your three or a guy like Tobias Harris as your three. So I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I think Rob's right that Jermichael Green is more of a four slash five uh, than a three slash four. He's definitely more in the big category than that forward category. But I think a lot of these forwards that we see in the league now are really just hybrid forwards and they can play kind of both spots interchangeably. Um, and certainly if you have a guy who's much more of a wing, right? Like a Roddy McGruder is a wing, not a forward, uh, you, you know, that he's not a guy who can bump over to the four really, but like a guy like, like a Gallinari, a Morris, a Harkless, Tobias Harris, Aminu, Rudy Gay, Trevor Ariza, you know, all of these guys to me, I think you really can play together in combinations and move, you know, interchangeably between the, the three and the four, I don't see it really as being an issue um, with the way that the game is played right now. Yeah, really, these forward spots are just becoming interchangeable. We saw that, especially with Gallo 
and Toby, who got paid too, by the way. Congratulations, Tobias Harris. I think we're all pretty happy you got paid, but not so we're happy it was not on the Clippers. That deal is massive. Jeez. That That contract is is exactly the reason why the Clippers traded. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that trade worked out pretty well, but good for him. We're happy for him. Good for him to have a sense of belonging. Finally, after getting moved around so many years, pretty hyped for him. Yeah. So next up on the agenda, I think that's all we have to talk about actually. Right. I think. Well, (laughs) well, we actually, we, we did miss one part of that trade. Um, the Clippers, the Clippers did also receive Matthias Lasort, uh, the draft rights to Matthias Lasort from Philadelphia. And normally, when when these European players, you know, get swapped um, in trades, it's a you know it's a nothing, right? Um, like the Clippers, I think have have been involved in trades where some of these Euro draft rights get swapped, and we're talking guys who are like already like well into their 30s, maybe not even playing professional basketball anymore. And it's just something for teams to sort of trade around because um, in a three-team trade, or in this case, a four-team trade, um, every team in the trade has to be, quote-unquote, touching at least two other teams in the trade. So for the Clippers, uh, they're, you know, touching Portland because they're taking a pick from Portland. Um, They're touching Miami because – or they're taking Harkless from Portland. They're taking the pick from Miami. But Philadelphia needs to be touching another team. So Philadelphia then sends the draft rights of this guy – the Clippers, but this is actually you know a relatively recent pick. Um, the Sixers picked Lasort in the 2017 NBA draft. Um, he you know has some decent numbers in in Europe. I mean nothing amazing, but you don't you know guys don't really have like huge you know no one averages 2010 in Europe. But he's kind of this like athletic six nine center. Um, you know he's someone who I would be interested in seeing. I think um, you know in a summer league type setting, although it's probably it's definitely too late in the game for him to be brought into summer league for the Clippers this year. But, you know, at only 23 years old, kind of athletic French, French big man, maybe Clippers can try to get him on the same team um, in the French league as like David Michonneau and we can watch some pick and roll highlights. You're so excited excited to mention David Michonneau over here. (laughs) (laughs) I did that whole thing just so I could say David Michonneau. It's really great. Uh, By the way, uh, I wouldn't say breaking news, but a sham tweet. Uh, Anthony Tolliver just signed Tragedy. with the Blazers. Who, what happened? It's- Anthony Tolliver just signed with the Blazers. Um, oh, great. So another guy who could have been a Clippers option, uh, also potentially could have been a Lakers option. Um, so the Kawhi thing, which we may as well just get to Kawhi. <laughs> um <laughs> These by the way, by are, the way, shout out, shout out to Big Sofo. Whenever, whenever I think of like these long um, prospects, uh, big man prospects in Europe that we're waiting on, they were excited to see. You guys remember Big Sofo? That, yeah, uh, he was. Oh, he was, of course I remember. He was so entertaining, and then he played in uh, in summer league. I think it was. It was very mediocre. Just a big dude who couldn't really move that much. But I, I love that legend, the Clipper legend of Big Sofo. So sorry, Kawhi. Um, yeah, uh, the Kawhi thing is fascinating. Um, I tweeted my take on this a couple hours ago, which got fairly good feedback, uh, even from Lakers fans, which I guess could be a good or a bad thing. Um, but my read on this is that the entire year he was linked only to the Raptors and the Clippers because, you know, whether it's because that's what he wanted or just 
whatever the indications were, um, I think those are probably the choices that he personally would do. By all counts, from guys, you know, I've seen a plenty of Spurs, media people, bloggers, whoever, who covered him for the longest, and Raptors people, have almost uniformly said the Lakers just don't seem like a Kawhi Leonard option. And for all the talk about, you know, him being like this machine and robot, like these guys who cover him for years get to know him at least a little bit. And every person I've seen who covers him doesn't think the Lakers are an option. And I think that's why the, the Raptors and Clippers were leading. However, I think his camp, led by Uncle Dennis and probably, you know, assorted family and hangers-on, just whatever goes into an NBA superstar's decision-making team, is probably unanimous, like nearly unanimous for the Lakers because they all get more money that way. They get more fame that way. And, like, you know, I don't want to read too much into it. I don't want to say too much that might go the wrong way. But, like, you know, if I was a hanger-on in some, you know, in Shea Gildas Alexander's, you know, team or whatever. It's my, like, it's my dream, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, would you rather be, like, you know, my, like, I'm, you know, a, uh, a friend of this guy who's a superstar for the Lakers or for the Raptors? Like, if you're going out to a bar, some, like, these are, like, the tiny little things that, probably don't end up mattering but you know if Kawhi is pulling all these people and all these you know random friends are like yeah you should do the Lakers because you know maybe indirectly it helps them in whatever they want or they just think he's gonna get more money that way and maybe they end up getting more money like we don't know how much influence these people have uh, but generally it seems like the greater entourage and whatever um, the greater friend group and family and whatever have say in these superstars decisions and it makes sense um you know it's it's something that impacts a lot of people and my guess is that he wants to do one thing and most of the rest of his team wants to do another thing and that's why there's this delay which i got pushed back about delay but i mean literally everybody else is signed except for him marcus morris and <laughs> demarcus cousins uh so I think at this point, it is a delay. It doesn't seem like it's going to get done tonight, maybe not even the next day. So I think that's where the gap is. And, you know, that's not great for the Clippers, I don't think, because in the end, I think the weight of everybody else would outweigh him. I could be completely off on this. Um, from a few people I've talked to, I, obviously I do not know anybody in, in and around Kawhi. Um, the feedback I've gotten is that this seems to be what some other smart you know, I'm not saying I'm smart, but whatever, uh, people, you know, who cover the NBA think. Um, so that's just my thought. And I don't think that's a good one for the Clippers. Lucas, what do you think about Kawhi Leonard? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think what, you know, everything that Robert just, just worked through is pretty reasonable in terms of, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with this situation. Um, but I think, you know, I think Robert acknowledges this too. So it's not like a, a disagreement. You know, the, the reality is nobody knows, like nobody knows anything. Um, so, you know, like, you know, what, you know, what Robert just worked through was some speculation. I think it's, it's fair speculation and he, he admits that it's speculation, but anyone who is on Twitter or Reddit or, you know, local sports radio or something like that and says that they know what's going on is lying to you. Um, I mean, right. Cause like I, I sat here for almost the whole five hours 
of the NBA jump for agency special. I did go get dinner at around the four and a half hour mark, but I sat for, through four and a half hours of it. And I saw Adrian Wojnarowski come on the show. I saw Ramona Shelburne sitting there for a long time. Brian Windhorst sitting there for a long time. Dave McMenamin come on and say, we don't know anything about the Kawhi situation. We don't know if he's taking meetings. We don't know who's he, who he's taking meetings with. We don't know when the meetings are. We don't know when he's going to decide by. Like, even in other, you know, in other years where a major free agency decision has been up in the air, that's been something that the public, you know, it's been reported ahead of time. There, you know, Durant's meeting with these teams on these days and then is expected to decide on the fourth or something like that. And we know with Kawhi, everything is dark. It's like he took you know, his inner circle, whoever it is, like, you know, him, his uncle, and then who knows who else is in the inner circle, you know, beyond that, they all went into a room and like shuttered all the windows, you know, nailed boards over all the doors. And they're like just eating baked beans off of like a hot plate and taking phone calls from teams. Like, I don't know what they're doing, but nothing is getting out. The only things that are getting out are, because Magic Johnson literally cannot help himself from talking to everyone within earshot about everything. Um, but even that, it's like, if, you know, we get, we get all of this nonsense, right? Chris Broussard saying that it's a done deal that he's going to the Lakers. Well, let me ask you something. If it was a done deal that he was going to the Lakers and Chris Broussard put it out six hours ago, don't you think in that six hours, someone, right, Woj, Windhorst, Ramona, McMenamin, Shams, Amick, Chris Haynes, David Aldridge, anyone would have been able to confirm it? No one knows. And Chris Broussard is, is a notorious, like, um, what did I, I, I think the phrase I used earlier today was that Chris Broussard is a notoriously incorrect human. Um, and, and, you know, you just can't trust these guys. Um, there's no point in even, like, like, I don't even follow Chris Broussard on Twitter. It's not, I, I don't care what he has to say because he's always wrong. And even when he's right, it's like, it's a guess, basically, at best. So, you know, my, the, what I can say to Clippers fans who are anxiously watching, you know, every twist and turn of this is like, yeah, you know what? It is suspenseful. It sucks waiting. I don't know what's going on either. I wish we at least knew when the meetings were so that I knew – I know like what day I have to be sitting at my computer all day and when I can, you know, go and do something else. But I would not ride the emotional ups and downs of everything that's on talk radio or Reddit or coming out of Chris Broussard's mouth. Um, it is by all accounts, total nonsense. Anyone who's reputable will tell you no one has any idea what's going on. Um, and I think that's the main takeaway is that, it's up in the air. He could certainly go to the Lakers. He could certainly come to the Clippers. He could certainly stay in Toronto. Um, and I think, you know, an informed opinion of surveying the landscape right now says that all three of those are probably very real possibilities because if any of those teams thought that they were out, things would be going down a little bit differently right now. The only team with nothing to lose or the only team that doesn't have like big contingency plans to shift to is probably the Raptors because they just don't have money or flexibility. But we know that Danny Green is waiting on Kawhi. Danny Green 
he supposedly has an offer on the table from Dallas that he's letting sit on the table because if Kawhi goes back to Toronto, he wants to go back to Toronto too. So that means Toronto's still in play. The Clippers haven't moved on with their money. The Lakers haven't moved on with their money. That means that they're both still in play. Everyone's waiting. He hasn't decided yet. Quality intel is very, very scarce. We just got to wait and see. Yeah, Twitter is miserable right now. There's so much Laker smoke and just Laker hype on Twitter. If you put yeah, quite it's not good for my lungs. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's just – it's uh, – it's awful. It's uh, it's really bad. If you're a Clipper fan, really don't bother. And like Lucas said, this is a really a really tight Kawhi Leonard camp, and I, I don't think there's any idea really what he's thinking considerably. There's a lot of Lakers momentum going on right now, and for sure they have an argument. You know that's why he's taking a meeting with them. Um, but it's hard to really say. It's hard to really say what's going on. There's just there's just so much going on right now, and. And uh, you wonder how much Kawhi pays attention to the leaks and just how much is going on and how much is just rolling around the internet and things are being said about him because it just seems like he just doesn't go on the internet. I mean, he has, doesn't go on social media, doesn't really do anything. You wonder, you wonder how much is really influencing him aside from his preferences and his camp or his close inner circle. I don't know what to say about Kawhi Leonard. I, I hope he's, he comes, but, you know, I'm not – as confident, maybe I'm. Ne- I've never been confident that he was coming. I always thought he was going to be a Raptor. Um, now I'm terrified about the idea that maybe he'll go to the Clipper, uh, the Lakers. Um, but I, I really don't know, and I don't know when he's going to make up his mind. And it's stressful, man. <laughs> it's for sure, like not the easiest yeah. place to be. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, it's it's really been kind of a rough couple of days. Um, but I think. You know, like Luca said, you know, it's true for every free agency. Like, there's really nothing we can do. And especially for something like this, like, there's really not even any news to aggregate or talk about it, right? It's just all these people blowing smoke. Um, and again, like, you know, we can talk about Lakers, this and Lakers, that really most of this does seem to be coming from the Lakers end or from Magic Johnson, who's not even really a part of, like, who knows what he is. He's like some weird, like, representative just because he's a famous Lakers player. Uh, and because he's like friends with Uncle Dennis. So there's honestly, it's kind of hard to really even talk about it outside of just say, you know, this is what we think is happening. Um, I have no idea when this is going to get done because again, like, I don't, I don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. Um, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen tonight. It could like for all we know, it could happen in 10 minutes. Somebody could break the news that he decided. Uh, apparently there have been some rumors that, the Clippers are having dinner with him tonight. But yeah, apparently yeah. Kawhi was also spotted in San Francisco. So what does that mean? And then we get down this rabbit hole of like, are they meeting him? You know, and at that point, it's just who cares? Um, like, why does it matter where they're meeting him or like what restaurant they're going to? These are the kind of things that like eventually on Twitter become these big things. I really, you know, can't care about it. Uh, but you know, my gut is saying that he's probably not going to go to the Clippers, both because, like I mentioned, the entire camp is going against and because, you know, as we've kind of alluded to, all the other Tier B, Tier A, at this point, honestly, even Tier C free agents are off the table. You know, DeMarcus Cousins is the next biggest name out there. And per Woj, I think I saw this on the timeline, nobody even wants to give him the MLE. And, like... 
<laughs> this is a guy who was all NBA like a couple years ago and does still have a lot of talent and nobody wants to even give the MLE for him. What that says about his medicals, his attitude, which was reportedly better this year, but which I think teams might still be wary of, whatever. I don't think he's swaying Kawhi Leonard whatsoever. Um, again, I have no sources. I, I cannot see that happening. And after that, like the third biggest guy out there, outside of Danny Green, who seems to be kind of dependent on Kawhi, is Marcus Morris. You know, they're all gone. And, you know, there's – I just – it seems tough that he would choose the Clippers at this point. But at the same time, if he comes to the Clippers, they would be a title contender next year, I think. Um, you know, I don't think they'd be the favorites. But you're taking the nucleus of a 48-win team. You're adding Kawhi Leonard. You're adding Mo Harkless. And you're assuming that young guys like Shea and Shamit and Sharon Robinson also take a step forward. And that team could be really, really good, especially if the Lakers don't get their third star, which if they don't get Kawhi, there are no, again, there are no other third stars out there um, unless they try to go for Cousins, and that could implode massively. Uh, we already saw him not play that well with Davis previously in New Orleans a couple years ago. So Everything is still kind of up in the air. I'm personally pessimistic because, again, I am a pessimist. And my theory, which, again, unsourced, no idea if it's true or not, would not indicate that things will end up in the Clippers' favor. Uh, but I don't know. Um, what, are, what are your confidence, confidence meters at right now? Lucas. <laughs> yeah, like, so I think with, with the whole sort of rant that I just did about how we don't know anything, um, I think the consistent, you know, the best way for me to be consistent with that approach to things would be, I think there's maybe 33% chance for each of the three teams. I just don't know. I got no clue. And I think it's really interesting. You know, we can, we can talk to death, um, the pros and cons of each side, right? Is he going to get to rest as much with the Lakers, but the Clippers don't have another star. But if he goes to Toronto, he's not going to be back in California and there's the business opportunities and there's, the coaches and the ownership and, and um, all of the different things. But I, I just think it, you know, with, with what Rob was saying, it occurred, occurred to me, it's interesting to think about the different timelines of each of these three teams. Like the Raptors might be the best positioned of the three to compete for a championship next year. The Lakers would have more star power, but not as much depth. Um, but the Raptors are, you know, after next year, they're in trouble because their team is old, guys are coming off the books, et cetera. If he goes to the Lakers, you know, there's, there's certainly a window that's open there. But how long is LeBron going to be good before you're talking about, like, either LeBron's gone or a super bloated LeBron contract and then Anthony Davis on a new likely-to-be-super-max, Kawhi Leonard on a max deal with those raises increasing year after year, and now, like, LeBron's either old or gone, and you've got Anthony Davis and Kawhi and, like, no flexibility around them, versus you come to the Clippers, which is maybe the least sure thing right now, but the best organization in terms of front office and multiple young starting caliber players already on the roster and a bunch of future flexibility going forward um, to maybe maximize the entirety of his prime. And I, you know, I, there's certainly the chance that, you know, Toronto and the Lakers could effectively reload in a couple of years. It's not like both those franchises would be doomed, but um, I think the Clippers 
the Clippers pitch probably has to include like, even if they don't have a trade for Bradley Beal lined up tomorrow, which would be, you know, probably really helpful in trying to get Kawhi. It has to include some extent being able to say like, we have the pieces that we need to put together a dynasty as soon as those players become available. And if you are here, we will, you know, we'll pay the price to go get those guys when they come up. But like, we won't do what Danny Ainge did and sit, you know, sit on our hands. Um, but I don't know if that's enough. You know, the Lakers have a lot to offer both on the court and off the court. Toronto just won a championship. Um, I think all three destinations honestly are appealing. Um, and all three certainly have some drawbacks as well. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of assuming that Kawhi doesn't come at this point. Whether he goes to the Raptors or the Lakers, I'm not certain. For the longest time, I thought he was going to stay with the Raptors. I still kind of think he is, despite all the the Lakers smoke. But I can understand him going to the Lakers. I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are kind of generational talents. So, And LeBron, I think, will eventually decline. But I think he'll be pretty motivated this coming year. So... Oh, man, it's it's crazy. Um, and I think in the back of my head, I've always kind of told myself that don't get too hyped on the idea of Kawhi coming. But obviously, I wanted Kawhi Leonard. We've been thinking about him all year. And it would be kind of a huge bummer if he didn't come. But at the same time, you know, do have confidence in the front office. And they still make smart moves, even when we're thinking about Kawhi and uh, kind of sneaking into that Jimmy Butler deal. So I'm not particularly confident. I'm kind of working under the assumption he's not coming, so I could either be pleasantly surprised or or just realize the expected. So, yeah. Rob, I think we can get to Twitter questions. We have a bunch. Oh. Uh, let, me, let me track them down, because I think they were through Luke. Here, I've, I've, I've got it up. Um, okay. I tweeted out the thing oh, tonight. Relax. Um, yeah, I know, Rob. You get you get to take it easy. Um, so yeah, so the first one from Harrison Franz is from an organizational perspective, who needs Kawhi to sign more, the Clippers or the Lakers? What do you think, Shep? From an organizational perspective, I mean, I think the Clippers are going to be pretty pretty calm and cool, even if Kawhi doesn't sign, but. From the media perspective, they're going to get slammed like completely if Kawhi doesn't come. People are already slamming them. So, I mean, I think just because it's been a year, they've been doing this for a year, and the Kawhi to the Clippers stuff has been going on for so long, and there's been reports, you know, even as soon as he went to the Spurs, I mean, I guess there was some Laker idea initially, but then when they got LeBron, it kind of moved towards the Clippers. I think out in the open, out in the public, in the media, it's, it's going to be – a lot of people are going to condemn us a lot if we don't get Kawhi. I don't think it's going to affect the organization. They'll be pretty um, – they'll be disappointed, obviously, but I think they're going to just run like they've been running. They've been been—they've been a pretty cool operation. They've done all the right things, and I think they'll just keep going as they've been doing. So I think the media will slam us. There's a lot of pressure from the media – for us to get Kawhi. If the Lakers don't get Kawhi, they still have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So they, they will, and they've already kind of been assumed to be a dysfunctional franchise anyways, that kind of wins these players due to their, the whole Laker entitled entitlement thing and all that stuff. And just the brand and all that. So I, I don't think, I think the Lakers will be kind of screwed as far as filling up their bench, but they still have two superstars. So I don't think the media will go at them too much and their fans will be like, ho hum, you know, how Laker fans are. So they'll just kind of 
brush it off and say, we'll beat the Clippers when we play them and they won't care. But if they get Kawhi, they won't shut up. So that's why I probably won't be on Twitter (laughs) if that happens. But I think the Clippers, you know, in the media have more pressure, but I do think the front office is stable enough that, you know, even if we don't get Kawhi, we'll be fine. What do you think, Rob? Who needs Kawhi more, the Clippers or the Lakers? I think absolutely the Clippers. I agree with Shop that the Clippers front office is going to be fine. They have a million contingencies. Lawrence Frank, as I think I mentioned in the last podcast, he's obsessed with flowcharts. You know, the Clippers really well organized, really well staffed. They're prepared for anything. They've acknowledged that free agency, you know, isn't really up to them. It's up to the player. That said, they talked for a lot of the first part of this year to a lot of people about how confident they were that they're that they were going to get Kawhi. And if they don't, like, yes, the media will amp things up and make this all about the Lakers and, you know, the Clippers falling on their faces. And a lot of that probably won't be true. But to some extent, I mean, them talking a really big game and then falling short, whether it's through their fault or not, will look bad. And I still think that no matter how smart their front office is and how good Doc is and how promising their young players are, they're not going to be a legit destination franchise until they actually land somebody. Right. And Kawhi is their best bet for doing so. He just won finals MVP. He carried the Raptors to a finals, to a championship. And there's no real guy like that next year, maybe in 2021. But, you know, free agents could look at this and maybe it won't matter at all, but maybe they'll be like, you know, obviously none of these guys this year like the Clippers well enough to go there. Like, you know, maybe they're good, but maybe they're not that good. We don't know how this could play out, but I think organizationally the Clippers probably need this more. I think they're a better organization than the Lakers. I'm sure they have better long-term plans than the Lakers, uh, but their entire goal is to be seen as this new-look franchise. And while I think they are that franchise, I don't think they're going to be taken that way until they get a superstar. And I think Kawhi, they've invested too much into getting him for, for them to be able to take that hit in the short term. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, you know, to mention something that, that wasn't brought up, you know, Jovan wrote in The Athletic, uh, you know, at some point in the last few weeks, that the Clippers, when they actually kind of started this overhaul and moved Blake Griffin, had their sights set on the summer of 2021 to begin with. They did not think that they would be in a place, you know, today, you know, first week of July 2019, where they would have the combination of good young players, solid role players on cheap deals, cap flexibility. Like, they didn't think they would have this all in place in time for 2019. And it all came together a lot faster than they thought it would. So if nothing happens this summer, you know, I think they're kind of okay. Like, they're, they're just, ha- in a sense, they're, they're happy to be here because they didn't think they would be here at all. Um, but I do agree that the Clippers do need Kawhi more because the Lakers, like, at the end of the day, you're not winning a championship without a star. And the Lakers have stars. Like, obviously, guys are off the board and they're not going to have a lot of depth next year. But, like, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and a decent collection of role players, that's a group of guys that you can see contending, contending for a title. The Clippers, without Kawhi, and maybe they get some stopgap small forward or maybe Mo Harkless starts there. Solid team. They'll fight every night. You know, they'll do the whole culture thing that the Clippers are going for. They're not going to compete for a championship. And, you know, the Clippers may not need Kawhi, but the Clippers need someone in, like, the next, you know, two to three years. And Kawhi is a shot that they have at getting someone right now. The Lakers already have 
to someone. A third one would be great, but they certainly don't need it. Yeah, and, um, and the Clipper and the Clippers could kind of go off of that. I agree with you guys particularly that the Clippers are great organizationally; they're fantastic. But really, with what Rob's saying, they're not going to be taken seriously until they land a big fish. Just like they won't be taken seriously until they make it to the conference finals. They won't be taken seriously until they win a touch, make it to the finals, win a championship. There's a lot of steps the Clippers still need to do, despite being this great organization and everything. And, and like you said, Kawhi kind of adds to that. And as much as I hate the Lakers, like this is what they do, man. They've been doing this for so long, even when. They were a smarter organization, had Dr. Buss and Jerry West. They just get stars. It doesn't matter where they are, they get stars. And, like, it's part of why Lakers fans are so tough to talk to because it feels like they the Lakers never really deal with rebuilding. This is the closest they got this last, like, six-year period. And even then, they just kind of threw away all their assets to just get stars. And this is kind of what they do. And it's going to be – it would be a huge deal – just for the perception, you know, media is part of it, but just for the general perception of the Clippers as a place. Like, for the Nets, like, this was a big summer for the Nets, getting Kevin Durant and um, and Kyrie Irving. Because, you know, the Knicks don't really have the shine the Lakers have, but there is this idea, like, you want to play with the Knicks, you want to play with the Mecca, you want to play at MSG. And the Nets have been a better – have been – really better than the Knicks since the Charles Sprewell finals. They've had that successful Jason Kidd years and everything. But this was a huge deal for the, for I think the culture in New York city, like there's going to be a lot of Nets fans now and they're going to start saying screw Dolan. And they're just going to be more Nets fans, even if they never make a finals, which they might not, you know, you never know what's going to happen to Kevin Durant, but uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, those are stars. And, it's a big deal to finally land them. And if we can get Kawhi, it's it's kind of a shift. Not entirely a shift because they still have Davis and LeBron and they have 16 championships, rings, 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 blah, blah, blah. But it's it would be it would be a big deal to the Clippers. It would be a huge deal because it would be the first big fish that they get. They didn't really get Chris Paul as cleanly as if we all remember, you know. So getting Kawhi outright when the Lakers have this argument would be, would be huge for just not just Clipper culture and the Clipper organization, just like fans, like all of us fans are so pessimistic because we just keep expecting bad things to happen because we are Clipper fans. We can't, we can't completely get away from the fact that we haven't landed anybody. We lose those huge, those big games, yada, yada. It would be a confidence boost to us too. So, you know, I'm assuming we're not going to get Kawhi partly because of that. So it's, I think we it would make ripple effects across the culture of, of just Clipper fandom almost more than anything, you know? Because Laker fans right now already have – there's a billion Photoshop Kawhi jerseys out there. Like, it's just rampant on Twitter. You see a few of them for the Clippers, but it's not really like it is for the Lakers because they just expect these things, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's let's move on. We have – as Rob said, there's a lot of so Twitter loud. questions. Um, I think it, it – has to do with the time of year more than anything, but I'm just going to pick out a couple more of them. I think a lot of them are on themes that we definitely address throughout the episode, but um, I'll pick out a couple more for us to, you know, kind of talk about before we end the episode. So um, Richard Flom asks, who loses minutes to Harkless? Uh, what do you think, Rob? Where do Mo Harkless's minutes come from? I mean, right now, I think probably... 
If you're counting guys who were just signed to the roster, probably Sundarius Thornwell and Ty Wallace. If you're talking about guys who expect to be on the roster, probably Rodney Magruder and maybe to a lesser extent Jerome Robinson, actually, which hear me out, I think. Before Harkless, you probably start Pat, Shea, Shamit. Uh, with Harkless, you, I'd assume they move, honestly, probably move Shamit to the bench, uh, which sounds weird because you want to pair him with Shea. But I think Pat has kind of mentioned he wants to start. He's also presumably better than Shamit. And I think, you know, obviously the Clippers are more committed to Shea. So I think Harkless would start and Shamit would go to the bench. And I think Jerome Robinson, who might have gotten a lot of minutes as a backup shooting guard, uh, would probably lose some of them. So I'd say probably Shamit, um, Jerome, and Rodney Magruder, presuming he signed. Because if he signed, I would have thought he would also have had a chance to be the starting small forward or at least uh, compete with Jerome for backup shooting guard minutes. So I'd say those guys. Yeah, uh, I wonder what they'll do. Um, if they're going to do three guard or if they're going to start Harkless as like a traditional small forward, it's kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, you would, you would think because Shea is their prized, is still their prized uh, young guy and Pat will want his minutes and needs his minutes. He's, he's, he was probably our best guard last year still, so by the end of the season. So you would think Shamit might lose some minutes, but Shamit's also interesting because Doc also liked playing him to end games because of his spacing and doc loves shooting. Um, so I kind of wonder if he's going to start outright or if he's going to come off the bench. I would also assume that if we kept Ty, then, you know, Ty and sin would lose minutes to Harkless and they would absorb those minutes. Maybe Gallo would lose some minutes um, to, to him as well to Harkless. Uh, but yeah, it, it kind of feels like sham and Robinson might be the big losers as far as minutes wise, from our core pieces. Yeah. All right. We've got, we've got, um, I, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I agree with you guys. I don't have a whole ton to add there. Um, we've got a question here for Shap specifically, um, which is what edition of the boogie Clippers Jersey are you going to buy Shap? Fuck you, Sasha. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I probably would go with the. Uh, hopefully, we can get a throwback from uh, from the old logo. I think I would go that. Wear it everywhere I go, including in the hospital and seeing my patients. But if we signed to Marcus Cousins, I'd be so sad. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe a retro jersey. <laughs> the Buffalo Buffalo Braves yeah, orange the Buffalo. with the black stripe. Boogie Cousins jersey. Boogie Cousins jersey. That just says Boogie on the back. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> all right, so I think I think um, the last question that we need to hit on here before we wrap up the show, um, from Jeremy A. on Twitter, asks, do we make a play for Beal? I kind of mentioned this, you know, in passing earlier in the episode. Uh, what do you think, Rob? What's, what's the deal with Bradley Beal? Um, you know, could the Clippers make a play? What would that play look like? I think they could. I think they should. I think the question is what's going on in Washington because all the indications are that they're not really looking to move him. If anything, they want to sign him to an extension and they're trying to keep him in D.C. long term. When you look at their roster, Candace Buckner, who covers them, I think for the Washington Post, tweeted out their depth chart and it is atrocious. Their second best player is probably Thomas Bryant, 
who was like a middling starter at best last year. Honestly, probably lower than that because he's so bad defensively for a center. He's this, he was he's going into his third year. He's like maybe a top two hundred NBA player, and he's probably the second best player on their roster uh, outside of unless one of their young guys is really good right away or makes a leap. Or, you know, honestly, if they re-sign Jeff Green, he might be the second best player on the roster. The Wizards are awful. As good as Beal is, I don't think he's dragging that roster to more than, like, 25 wins. They have no immediate future, again, unless some of their young guys pop. They're tied to Wall's deal, which looks like an albatross, one of the worst in the NBA. They should try to move him. I don't know if they should be offering him to teams. They should wait for a really good deal. But, I mean, I don't think that they're going to say no to everything. I think if a team like the Clippers comes in and blows them away with a deal, I think they'll say yes, because what are they really holding on to him for outside of, you know, selling tickets and jerseys and whatnot, which, you know, hey, teams need to make money and owners care about that stuff. And if they trade Beal, like, they're going to be the worst team in the NBA and they're going to be the worst attended and worst watched and everything. Nobody will care about that team. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's like... Do I think they're going to trade him soon? I don't, but the Clippers should absolutely be calling about him. The question is, what package would it be? I think there's some differences there. I think he's really, really good, but I would not give up the farm for him. Um, at the same time, while like I think Landry Shamit is really good and a really good prospect, Beal is, if you trade for him, he's going to be your starting shooting guard and playing like 35 minutes a game for the foreseeable future. Landry Shamit can't really play other positions. So from that sense, including him as an asset makes sense, but it would be, it would be tough to see him go. Uh, especially again, if you don't have another star lined up besides Beal, like he's a great player, but he's not good enough to be the best player on a title team. Uh, you know, maybe he could attract other stars. So, I mean, I absolutely think they should be making calls. They probably already have made calls. I question whether the wizards are really taking them right now and what exactly uh, the Clippers would have to give up for him. Man, yeah, this Wizards team. What do you think, Shap? This Wizards team is really bad. <laughs> I'm looking at that Buckner t- tweet right now. This is like the worst roster I can I can remember surrounding a superstar player. I mean, the this is really really awful. Anthony Davis has had, had better players than this. I mean, Kobe Bryant during those off years when the Clipper when the Lakers didn't make the playoffs still had like a prime Lamar Odom, Karan Butler. It's this is really really awful. I can't believe how bad it is. From all I've heard is that the that the Wizards still want to keep Beal to have some semblance of a product out there, and I don't know if that's necessarily changed. Obviously, they need a ch- they they should trade him just to because this is going nowhere. But yeah, I mean, if he's available, you would imagine the Clippers would would be be active. I just don't I don't hear anything, and I've, I don't have any sources. Obviously, it's a speculation. I don't hear anything about Beal just being available just yet. If he is, I would imagine people are going to kick down the door for him. But he doesn't sound like he is yet. Hopefully the Wizards get to the point eventually, or maybe he'll demand a trade, but it doesn't feel like it's particularly imminent. He would be a great yeah, – I would – I don't know how much I would put on, you know, available for Bradley Beal, but 
he's definitely worth anybody virtually outside of Shea, I would suppose. And probably some Clipper fans would throw in Shea too. That's how good Bradley Beal is. I don't know how much I would necessarily want to give him if he's worth like maybe a couple of our first rounders and Shamit, you know, I think Shamit is definitely a movable piece for someone like Bradley Beal, uh, obviously, but, um, and the Gallo deal got Gallo contract to make things work financially. But I just haven't heard that he's really being put out there in, on the market. It would be wise for them to put him out there in the market. But until I hear that, I'm going to assume he is a wizard. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that question, right. About is he really on the market or not? is something that works significantly to Washington's advantage, because just look at, you know, those two big trades that Philly made last year one to get Jimmy Butler, one to get Tobias Harris. Well, Jimmy was on the market, right? And the Sixers did not have to give up that much to get him. Tobias was not a guy who we really knew was on the market. You know, the Clippers definitely wanted to move him because they didn't want to pay him. But it was not like the Clippers had been shopping him around to a bunch of different teams and it had been in the news and everything. And, I mean, the Sixers paid a premium for Tobias Harris, right? They paid... You know, they gave expiring contracts um, and Landry Shamit and a Philly first-round pick and that unprotected Miami pick. And now we're talking, I mean, like if I told you the Clippers are going to have to trade Gallinari, Shamit, and both of these Miami picks that they have for Bradley Beal, like you might say that that's too much, right? I think I think Rob said earlier that, that he felt like Shamit, both Miami picks and Gallinari was too much to give up for Beal. And if you consider like the return that the Clippers got to Tobias for Tobias relative to, you know, that price for Beal kind of shows how much value the Clippers got for Tobias Harris, who I think we would all agree is, is a clear tier below Bradley Beal. Um, I think I've, if you guys disagree by all means. Yeah. 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 Um, Probably should have been third team on BA over Kemba this year. Like, He's somewhere between like the 15th to 20th best player in the NBA. Like Harris is like 30th best, maybe like at best. I don't know. Beal is way better. Yeah. yeah and I think, go ahead, chat. I mean, if we do that, if say getting Kawhi is contingent on getting somebody like Bradley Beal, I would do that deal. Like I wouldn't, that's a lot, but I would do it. I think after a while you, you keep recruiting all these assets to use them. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, I was I was going to say pretty much exactly what you just said, which is if there's a scenario, I, I'm not even sure Kawhi needs to be contingent upon Beal, but I think with if you have Kawhi already and Beal is going to be the number two, I would give up a lot more for him than if you don't have Kawhi already. Right. That's right. Like if 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 the Clippers don't have Kawhi on the roster. Or they don't have Kawhi saying, I'll come if you get Bradley Beal. I'm not really motivated to pick up the phone and, you know, try to make Washington an offer they can't refuse for a guy that they're not trying to move. Now, if he, be- if he demands a trade and becomes available, we start saying, you know, what can the Clippers put out there in terms of a big expiring and Shamit and a pick to go bring this guy in? Certainly. Um, but I'm not calling them, you know, to try to make a, a big offer to – force them to move him but if Kawhi's here even if you know even if it's not even like Kawhi has to show up and say you know either get Bradley Beal by tomorrow or I'm going to the Lakers you know at which point obviously you give up the farm right 
Um, but even if the Clippers just get Beal in the door, or if it, excuse me, if they just get Kawhi in the door, like I think moving a couple of picks from Miami, you know, down the line and getting, you know, giving up Shamit, but you're upgrading at the position and then moving Gallinari, you know, his expiring deal. Like, I think that really boosts your championship odds for the next two years. Like you, the Kawhi comes, the window is open and that making a deal to get Bradley Beal on the Clippers, I think really, really, opens that window even wider as a legit number two guy. Um, so yeah, even if it's not something that Kawhi demanded, I think I would, I would give up a lot to get Beal as long as Kawhi was here. If Kawhi's not here. I'm a little bit less interested um, in giving away the farm. What do you think, Rob? Would you need Kawhi to like force your hand or do you think that having him here, like that situation changes what you'd be willing to give up? Uh I mean, I think certainly if Kawhi says, I want Bradley Beal on my team, and Beal, by the way, notorious Raptors killer, uh, who had a monster game against the Raptors early this year. Players are as biased as anybody about who they play against face-to-face. Um, if Kawhi's like, I want Bradley Beal on my team, the Clippers should give up Shamit, Jerome, Gallo, Picks. I think Shea is probably the only piece where you can't do it. But, like, again – if it's Kawhi Leonard and Bradley Beal, you know, it's, it's a tough decision. Um, I think it kind of depends on what intel the Clippers have regarding other guys. Um, you know, if they think Beal is viewed by other players as well as we think of him, and as well as, I mean, front offices have been apparently breaking down Washington's door to get him. So front offices think well of him. If they think players have a similarly high opinion, there's no real reason why they shouldn't, then yeah, like you try to get him because you think other guys would rather play with him than with like Landry Shamit or Jerome Robinson or Danilo Gallinari, who also might not be with the Clippers past this year. So uh, I think to some extent it also depends on that. And that's something, you know, maybe the mystical, mysterious Lee Jenkins might know. Um stuff about like how relationships in the NBA work and if there are other players who are tight with Beal. I mean, I know he's kind of a legend in the St. Louis basketball community. That's not a huge drop, uh, but like Jason Tatum and him are really, really close. Tatum, obviously years and years away from being a free agent. Uh, you know, that's something, but um, yeah, I mean, I would say it's contingent on Kawhi, but if they have Kawhi in hand, like I think you absolutely push for Beal because Shea, Pat, Lou, Trez, Kawhi, Beal. I mean, that could be 60 wins and an NBA championship. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say even, you know, I, I would push, I would definitely make an offer for Beal if he became available, even without Kawhi. I would really push for him if Kawhi was here. If Kawhi sat down with the Clippers tomorrow and said, you need to get Bradley Beal, I would move Shea. Um, I, w- I would move Shea for Bradley Beal as horrific as that is to say, you know, because I know we all love SGA very, very much, but like Patrick Beverly's here, you know what I mean? Like it's like the Clippers are going to have a big gaping hole at point guard. Like Patrick Beverly's here, like a Beverly Beal Leonard, you know, Harkless, you go get a, a, probably an upgraded center for the room exception or something like that. Like that's a championship roster. Um, 
And I, I, you know, if you, if Kawhi, if you have the opportunity to create a championship window and Shea is the price to do that, you know, I think you do it. Um, And I'm not eager to give up Shea, but if moving Shea for Beal is the difference between getting Kawhi and not getting Kawhi, I still think that's, you know, sort of a no brainer because that's the difference between a championship window and not a championship window. What do you think, Shap? I think that's fair. I love Shea, but that's, I think that's fair if getting Kawhi is contingent. But what about Jerome Robinson, though? I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't give him up in any, I mean, think about it. Like, if they ask for Shea, that's one thing, but if they ask for the draft rights to David Michino, I'm hanging up the phone. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. what would he even be? I don't even know his NBA comp. Like, uh, I think Magic Johnson, maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think ultimately, you know, if Kawhi says I want Beal, and you are sure that if you get Beal, Kawhi is coming, you have to move Shea. Um, I mean, Beal Kawhi would be probably the second best one-two punch in the NBA behind. Davis and LeBron with the difference being that the Clippers would have a fully fleshed out roster with like superstar role players as well. Um, and uh, Kawhi is younger than Braun and Beal is about the same age as Davis. And while Davis has been kind of injury prone, he's been better the past couple years. Beal was really injury prone and has turned into a complete Iron Man the past three yeah. years. He has miles, but like, I think he's missed three games over the past three seasons while playing absolutely ridiculous amounts of minutes. Um, you know, which is also a really good hedge against Kawhi load management because Beal is a guy who's proven he doesn't really need it. And maybe the Clippers try to, to have him healthier and, and better rested for the playoffs. But, you know, Kawhi is probably going to miss 20 games. Bradley Beal has proven he can miss, like, a couple at most, um, barring something, you know, crazy happening. So that's yet another thing. Yeah, I mean, we all love Shea. I think Shea is probably going to be, you know, an all-defense borderline all-star level player um i think that's a very reasonable ceiling but beal like i said like probably should have made all nba this past year uh he's 26 on a very good contract uh by all counts like one of the hardest working guys in the nba and i think just fit wise he'd be fantastic with Kawhi. just another ball handler another playmaker really good shooter uh he's better than his numbers would indicate like you have to do it yeah, I think it's a really interesting conversation for us to, you know, keep our eyes on in like the next year, year and a half, maybe, you know, because whether the Clippers get Kawhi or not, I have a feeling that Bradley Beal is going to be a guy that, you know, we're going to keep talking about um, at different points in time, because just like we said, he might not be available from the Wizards right now. They may not be actively shopping him, but with the way that roster looks and his contract status, you know, he's got two years left, but, you know, Teams don't like to wait until the deadline before a superstar is expiring to move them. Does Bradley Beal resign in Washington with nothing else there and John Wall taking up all of the cap? Uh, at what point do they try to move him? You know, the, I, I think he's a guy whose name is going to come up a lot. So monitoring these conversations and, you know, how we feel about him as a number one versus a number two, who we're willing to give up, is going to be really interesting. Um, I think that is going to do it for our Twitter questions. Before I hand it back, to Shap to bring us home. I do want to say that as we finish recording this, it's around 1.30 Eastern time, 1.30 a.m. Eastern time on July 2nd. Um, If you're listening to this at some point on July 2nd, 
I will be on the radio, uh, 1010 KXPS with um, Pure Sports with Jeff Bloom at 3.30 Pacific time. Um, it's a California radio station. That, you know, you can listen to it online as well. So anything new that happens between uh, the morning and the afternoon of July 2nd that we did not talk about on this pod, something that I'll be talking about on the radio with Jeff tomorrow afternoon. Um, thank you guys for sending in all your questions. Shap, you want to bring us home? Yeah, Rob, you got anything else to mention? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> Ready to go. All right. Back. Yeah, my gosh. Uh, that'll <laughs> do it for this episode of the Law of the Gem, the podcast. Uh, as always, leave us some nice reviews on whatever you listen to us to. Um, and, of course, uh, I, uh, next time we talk to you guys, we'll probably know. I'm guessing that this is going to happen in the next few days, I think. And uh, next time we talk to you guys, we might finally have some resolution this whole Kawhi saga and hopefully it's good for us it might not be it might be you'll definitely be able to tell by the tone of our voices next time we talk to you Uh, but as always go Clippers